0: Welcome to the First Prez podcast, which features the message from this past Sunday's worship. Our services are Sunday mornings at 30, 9, 10, and 11 o'clock. You can learn more about First Prez at firstprezcos.org. Well, hey, good morning, church. Good to see you here, giving this time to the Lord. He meets us in these places, these sacred places, when we dedicate ourselves to worshiping Him. Uh, it changes things. It changes our hearts. And that changes the world. And I hope you do. I hope you are sitting on something slightly uncomfortable. um, But that you would grab this and use it as an invitation, as you heard. We've got lots of different Christmas services coming up. And if you didn't catch it, on the 23rd, Monday night, is a a huge blowout worship service right here, 630. And so you can come and worship, praise music, and I'll be preaching, and we'll have communion, we'll have some hors d'oeuvres. It's going to be an awesome time and then all day the next day we have uh, family services and then candlelight services right up to a midnight service and uh, on Christmas Eve where we have communion and say Merry Christmas at the end of the day. And uh, this afternoon is Christmas joy. Please be praying for that. It's our 31st year as a church of, of giving a citywide concert. It's just always a blowout of, of an event. And there are still some tickets available to the 4.30 show, uh, the two, 2 o'clock show. Uh, you're going to have to scalp some. And I can give you a couple names. But you've got to be ready. You've got to be ready. But today we're talking about where hope is built. And we're going to keep talking about John uh, the Baptist. So open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 11. And we're looking at verses 2 to 11. And as we open the scriptures, let's open our hearts in prayer. Lord, of all the different uh, words and messages and hopes and, and news that's out there, we need to hear your voice. And we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit over your divine word that we can hear your eternal voice speaking to us words of grace and truth and hope. In Jesus' name. The church said? Amen. Amen. All right, at verse 2. When John, that's John the Baptist, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is proclaimed to the poor. Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. As John's disciples were leaving, Jesus began to speak to the crowd about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see, a reed swayed by the wind? If not, what did you go out to see? A man dressed in fine clothes? No, those who wear fine clothes are in king's palaces. And what did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes. I tell you. And more than a prophet. This is the one about whom it is written, I will send my messenger ahead of you who will prepare your way before you. Truly I tell you, among those born of women there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Yet, whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. This is God's word and we're grateful. Amen? Amen? We're talking about glimmers of hope. Glimmers of hope. And Christmas cards have, have started coming in. You know, we're opening Christmas cards. We love to get Christmas cards. And the Christmas cards means means one thing it means glitter bombs. Right? <laughs> you know the glitter bomb? Like Christmas cards are awesome. I love Christmas cards. Every now and then you open one, and it just explodes like a glitter bomb. It goes down your sweater, down your pants, into the keyboard of your computer if you are sitting at your desk, you know. And it's it's not until April that people stop pointing out the glitter on your face from where you you know you touched your keyboard and then you scratched your face or something. Thank you, thank you. But we love that. I love the glitter bombs. Mostly, I love them because of the message that's inside of them. It's the message that we need. It's the message. We're looking to build hope, an unshakable hope, a, an optimistic confidence in the future. And we're, not, and we're looking to build it on something solid, right? Something that'll last, something that's firm, a message that will endure. Not not glitter, but something like a, a stone manger where Jesus was laid, something rock solid. Abigail and I, we were... Um, Taken a long drive, and we were listening to a uh, uh, satellite radio station that plays Christmas songs. And after about an hour of that, you realize, and we said to one another, you know, there's only really like five or six Christmas songs. Have you noticed that? It's the same five or six songs, and they play them over and over again. Now, you can keep, it's different because you hear dozens of people playing this dozens of ways the same five songs. I mean, you get the orchestra version, you get the big band version. You get the jazz version, you get the Elvis Presley version. <laughs> but it's the same song. So I got to think of where do these songs come from? Most of these songs were written in the 1930s and 40s. Do you know that? They were written when, when we, having just surpri- survived the, the Great Depression, World War II, we were in this place as a, a nation where we needed hope. And we needed, like, some escape. And so Christmas came along as an open door of escape. And we just ran through it with those songs. I'm dreaming of a Christmas, because everything will be awesome, right? I'll be home for, of course, everything works out on Christmas, you know? And Santa Claus, what's he going to do? He's coming to town. He's going to show up right here, baby. And all these songs, all these songs were kind of little, little ways to escape, to, to sort of taste something a little bit easier, a little bit nicer, a little bit with a little bit more hope than life as we were experiencing it. And so we still sing those songs. I guess we're going to sing them for 500 years. I don't know. We still sing those songs. But you know what? They were looking for hope, and they kind of missed it. Because hope, friends, it isn't found in escaping into the sentimentality of Christmas, is it? No, hope is found in Jesus. Hope is found in Jesus. So those songs sometimes to me, I mean I love them. I know you love them. I'm not gonna be up here be a Grinch. There's a great songs. We love those songs. But sometimes those are like uh, they're they're kind of like glitter bombs with no message. All glitter. You know, what if you sent somebody a Christmas card, no card. Just a bunch of glitter in the envelope. Don't do that to me, please. Do not do that to your pastor who cares for you. No. But that's not the kind of hope we need, that kind of glitter bomb, no message hope. Our hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. Amen. John the Baptist uh, was our hero last week, and we rejoin him for the next uh, thrilling episode. <laughs> But he's no longer by the river on the top of his game in his camel hair coat wowing the crowds. See right after that he got arrested. Herod had him arrested had him thrown in prison. In fact he had him kind of sent off. The historians tell us that John the Baptist was sent to a fortress called Fortress Macaris which was on the far side of the Dead Sea which is this just this isolated dry, hot, desolate place. And there he was he was set to rot in jail. And we think it was uh, over a year of that, of sitting in a hot, desolate prison, separated, cut off from everybody he loved, everything he cared about. It was over a year of that before this passage happened that we, that we just read together. And John, you see, he, he was cut off. He was separated. He was, let's face it, he was traumatized. He was fearful. And when you're, when you're in that place, when you're in that sort of thing, your, your kind of experience that you're going through, it gets so hard. It's hard to keep hope alive. And John needed little glimmers of hope. And so he sent his disciples. Because he heard that something was up. Something had happened. The works of Christ were being done by the man that he knew of as Jesus of Nazareth. So verse two, when John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who's to come or should we expect someone else? It's looking for glimmers of hope. Friends, there are times in, in all of our lives where it feels like everything has been cut off. And we begin to wonder, can we keep hope alive? Kay Warren Uh, lost her son in April 2013. Her son was named Matthew, and after a lifetime of of battling, combating uh, mental health issues, at the age of 27, he took his own life. And Kay and her husband Rick Warren, very famous pastor and author, church leader, they were tempted to fall into utter despair, to just get swamped by the hopelessness. But after, after a few years, Kay was, was ready to stand up and speak. And the f- words that she wanted to speak were words of hope. So she gave a talk. She gave a talk called Finding Hope Again. And, and I first heard this talk on uh, the Focus on the Family podcast. It's still there, but you can just Google it. It's on YouTube. It's worth the hour. Because Kay Warren, having come from that much uh, that much despair, that much pain, she stepped forward And she said, you know what, even after that kind of despair, you can find hope again. What she said was, there are things that come in and they cut us off, they cut us off from hope, and and they leave us feeling like there's no hope for us in the future. And she actually revealed some things about herself that no one, she had never revealed before that she had been molested when she was a child, and that there was struggles in her parenting, and that there was struggles in her marriage, even before losing Matthew. And she said, now that I've been in this place, I've studied how hope can get ripped out of our lives and she offered a list. She said, here's a list of things that you'll probably experience in life and these things, they can rob you of hope. Traumatic events, unchangeable circumstances, mental health problems, physical health problems, crushing disappointments, devastating losses. She went through each of these and she said, each of these can drain your hope. They can pull your hope away from you. They can leave you feeling cut off. But she said, those who make it through such chapters, they make it through because they find resilience. They find they're able to bounce off of the bottom. And Kay stepped forward and she said, for me, I want you to know where my resilience is found because I found my ability to bounce back. I found my source of resilience and it's based on the truth that though this world is hard, And though this world has pain, though this world, as Jesus said to his disciples, is going to meet you, life is going to meet you with, with trauma and with despair and with great loss. As Jesus said to his disciples in John 16, I've told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise. But take heart, said Jesus. I've overcome the world. I like to listen to people like Kay Warren who say that's where I found my resilience and my hope. Why? Because she's been, she's been down deeper than I've been. She's been down darker than I've been. And she steps up and she says, you know what's down there? Jesus. John the Baptist was in a deep and dark place. Cut off from everything that he hoped for, cut off from everything that he loved. And so he, he sent his disciples for glimmers of hope. They said, go, go and see Jesus. Now we we interpret that differently. Sometimes we think, maybe John the Baptist, how could John the Baptist have doubt? Maybe John the Baptist did that really to send his, his disciples, and they were having doubts. So he said to them, You go see Jesus, and then your doubts will be assuaged. And I actually lean toward that. But you know what? There's nothing wrong with John the Baptist having doubts, too. And he had doubts. He, had, he needed glimmers of hope. Even a believer has doubts, friends. And even John the Baptist needed hope. And so he sent. Verse 2 again. When John, who was in prison, heard about the deeds of the Messiah, who's sitting in prison, not figuratively in prison, not emotionally in prison, he's in prison. And he heard about the deeds of the Messiah. He sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who is to come? Or should we expect someone else? Let me show you a couple of things in this. It's very important. John heard about, he heard about the deeds, say it with me, the deeds of the Messiah. He heard about the works of the Christ, the doings of the Savior. This is a very critical claim. Right here in Matthew chapter 11, the gospel writer is saying, without any shadow of a doubt, what Jesus does reveals he is the Messiah. He is the Christ. And what does John send his disciples to ask? He sends his disciples to ask a very specific question. Are you the one who is what? To come. Now, that's not just coming out of the air. That's a very specific phrase. That, that, has a, that has meaning in Scripture. It's used all through the Old Testament. It comes from things like Psalm 118, verse 26. It says, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And from Malachi, I will send my messenger who will prepare the way before me. Then suddenly the Lord you are seeking will come to his temple. The messenger of the covenant whom you desire will do what? Will come, the coming one. And from Isaiah, the Redeemer will come to Zion, to those in Jacob who repent of their sins. So John knows these verses. And he says, well, I've been a messenger, and I've been preparing the way, and I've been preaching repentance, and it landed me in jail. So is this Jesus the one? Is he the one or do I expect another? What John really says, what John the Baptist says is, Is Jesus who we've been waiting for? Or do we keep waiting? Now, waiting is important. Waiting is critical. We've got to learn how to wait. The season that we're in is is not the season of Christmas. It's a season of Advent. We call it a season of waiting, of expectation. And you've got to learn how to wait. Only those who learn how to wait, only those who learn how to hope expectantly without yet having Only those know the true fulfillment of joy when the blessing comes. You've got to learn how to wait. But John wants to know, are we waiting or is Jesus here? And here's what Jesus replied. Verse four, Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight. The lame walk. Those who have leprosy are cleansed. The deaf hear. The dead are raised. And the good news is proclaimed to the poor. That's quite a litany. That's quite a resume. But you know what? Even as Jesus is saying, you go tell him what you see, there's some humility in this. Je- Jesus doesn't say to John's disciples, yeah, you go tell him I am who I say I am. Or you go tell him what I'm doing. What he says to the disciples is, you just go tell him what you see and hear. Whatever you see, whatever you experience, you tell him the news of the events that are happening. Because it's the events. It's the events that are going to be an encouragement to John. Who needs glimmers of hope. Not ideas, not philosophies, not go back and say, Jesus says, think about it like this. No, 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 no. Tell them what you see. Tell them what you hear. And it's quite a list. And it comes from the prophets. Isaiah 35 said, Then the eyes of the blind will be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout, For joy, water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. See, friends, these are Messiah promises. These are Christ promises. These are promises of the one who is to come and is to save. And John will get that. John will know that. It's it's in the events themselves that John will see glimmers of hope because he knows that the psalmist was waiting a thousand years, that Isaiah and Malachi were waiting hundreds of years, and, and they didn't get to see it. But now these works are happening. So I want to ask you where are you finding glimmers of hope? When you feel cut off, when you feel like uh, the future that you were planning for isn't, isn't appearing to grow, where do you find glimmers of hope? What is God doing in your life? If you look back over the year, where has Jesus worked in your life? Where has God moved? in your life and you know something you didn't know before you feel something you didn't feel before you believe something you didn't believe before because God has intervened in you these friends these are the events the glimmers of hope But I want to show you one more thing. Because Jesus, he said, go back and tell him what you see. But then he said one more thing, just to seal the deal. He tells the disciples of John the Baptist, you go back to him sitting there in prison. I know he's cut off. I know he's despairing and languishing and losing hope. You say to him this. It's in verse 6. Church, let's read this verse together, would you? Blessed is anyone who does not stumble on account of me. Does that mean anything to you? It would have meant a lot to John the Baptist. So here's the thing. In Isaiah 8, there's a stumbling rock. There's a stone of stumbling. And it's the Lord God Almighty Himself. And in Isaiah 8, it explains that some people are going to come up to the stone and they're going to grab a hold of it. And they're going to hold on to it. They're going to build their lives on it. And those people, they're the blessed ones. They're the happy ones. They're the ones who cling to the rock. And though they go through all kinds of storms in life, the rock never moves. But there are others who bounce off it. They disregard it, they go the other way. And it becomes for them a stumbling stone. But what Isaiah 8 says is that that stone is the Lord God Almighty. Let me show this to you Isaiah 8, the Lord Almighty is the one you are to regard as holy. He is the one you are to fear. Who? The Lord Almighty. He is the one you are to dread. Don't dread things out there in the world. The Lord is the only one worthy of that kind of of reverence and, and fear. He will be a holy place. Who? The Lord Almighty. Remember now. For both Israel and Judah, He... Who? The Lord Almighty. Right. From the very beginning, He, the Lord Almighty will be a stone that causes people to stumble and a rock that makes them fall. And for the people of Jerusalem, he will be a trap and a snare. Many of them will stumble. They will fall and be broken. They will be snared and captured. Bind up this testimony as a warning. Why? What's a warning? A warning says don't go over there, right? Don't let it be so for you. Here is your warning that the Lord will reveal himself to you and he will either be the foundation of your hope or he will be a stumbling rock of offense. And the warning is, don't go that not I'm going to bind up this testimony as a warning and seal up God's instruction among my disciples. I will wait for the Lord. I will wait for the Lord who's hiding his face from the descendants of Jacob. I will put my, what? Trust. My trust in him. That's how you cling. But here's what I want you to see. When Jesus said that little phrase that you've probably read over as you've read this passage, maybe in the past, it says, you go tell John. Go tell John the Baptist. Blessed is the one who doesn't fall away because of me. John the Baptist knows. He's read Isaiah. He knows. He's heard the works of Christ are happening. He knows. What Jesus is saying in no uncertain terms is I am the Lord God Almighty. And I am here and I have come. And to all who cling to me, to all who receive me and accept my mighty work, to all who who follow me and call me Savior and Lord, I am the rock of salvation. But to all who fall away, I'm a scandal and an embarrassment, and they turn away from me to their own shame. You tell John that, said Jesus. You tell John that. Because that's going to encourage his hope. Friends, and then Jesus goes on, doesn't he? And he tells us who John the Baptist was, just in case we missed it. No, he wasn't just a trendsetter. He wasn't just an influencer. His his clothes, his choices, his life, he was a prophet in the line of Isaiah and Malachi and the psalmist and David. He was was a prophet, a prophet. But those prophets, they predicted, but they never saw. But John, he predicted and then he saw. And so Jesus says he's, he's not only a prophet, more so. But there's a greater seeing still. Matthew eleven eleven. Truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. Wouldn't that be great to have on your resume? <laughs> Reference Jesus, right? <laughs> Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Of the greatest, greater still. Greater still is the least. Friends, for all that Isaiah saw, for all that Malachi saw, for all that John the Baptist saw, you and I, after the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, after his ascension and the coming of the Holy Spirit, after the birth of the church and the life of discipleship, and hundreds and hundreds of years of the Lord at work in our lives and the world and history, you and I have, have seen, and we know, more than John the Baptist ever hoped or imagined. And we celebrate that. Isaiah saw a lot in fact that he gives a picture of Christmas that we don't use all that much, and it's a picture of Christmas in Isaiah 11 verse 1, and um, maybe you've heard this. "A shoot will come up from the what? The stump of Jesse. "From his roots a branch will bear fruit. A stump. There's an image of Christmas. A stump. I'm thinking next year we don't do the tree. We just do the stump. (laughs) You know, it's a lot cheaper for one thing. You just go to the, you say, I just need the stump, you know. Well, why would Isaiah, why would Isaiah give us a stump? I've got a stump in my front yard You know, the previous owners thought, I need to cut down that tree, make curb appeal, right? So that uh, someone will buy the house. And I guess it worked because there I sit. There I am. I'm living in that house. And I go out there and I look at that stump and and it looks dead. I thought I could get rid of it just by sprinkling that enzyme stuff on it. You know what I'm talking about? Do you know what that did? Nothing. (laughs) Because even though that stump looks dead, even though that stump acts dead, it is very much alive. And every spring there are these little green shoots, And I have to run my mower over them, just Gah! bang the blade against the stump. You know what I'm talking about? Because that stump, it looks like it's been cut off, but it's very much alive. Friends, when, when it feels like the future's been cut off, the dreams have been cut off, the hopes that you had, they've been they've been cut off nothing's going to come like i thought it was going to come and and i'm feeling hopeless i'm feeling in despair remember that from the stump there comes a shoot and watch this now be careful now that shoot it isn't human resilience it isn't your personal grit that shoot It isn't an escape into Christmas sentimentality, is it? That shoot, what is it? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. And He is our hope. He is our basis for an unshakable, optimistic confidence in the future. He's the one who can stand up and say, Tomorrow, tomorrow is going to be different. You think that it's cut off and that nothing can change. You think that it is dead and that there's no life in it. But I am the Lord God Almighty. And I am Jesus Christ. And I am the basis for your unshakable hope. I am the grounds for your unshakable optimism that your future can be different in me than your past. And no matter what you go through in life, when you feel that, that it's, it's all hopelessness, it's all despair, it's all that every dream that you had, every intention you had, has been cut down to the core. Jesus says, look again. Look to me. I'm still at work. I am your hope. I am your, your light that breaks in the darkness. I am your basis. Your solid rock. Of salvation, Jesus says to, to those disciples, go tell that to John. You go tell that to John. Go tell that to Kay. Tell it to Rick. When the pain of losing their sons, overwhelming them, you go tell that. Go tell that to the survivors of the Great Depression. Go tell it to the survivors of World War II. There's an unshakable hope. You go tell it. Go tell it to those who are trapped in the far fortresses of utter despair. You go tell them. And you tell it. You go tell it to your own soul. You go tell it to your own heart. There is a grounds for hope and a future. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Lord, when it comes, and um, it does come, it feels that things are getting cut off, things that we intended, hoped for, invested in, had our hearts wrapped around, and all we see is a stump. Lord, a stump is all you need, a stump is all you called for, and you bring life, you bring green shoots, you bring the works of the Christ, glimmers of hope. Lord, let it be so for every heart in this room, every, every heart in the sound of my voice, that they would run to the rock of salvation and cling to it and never turn away and never bounce off and hope in you and rest in you and trust in you for eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Thanks for listening to the First Prez Podcast. If you would like more information, you may visit our website at firstprezcos.org.